Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still very much knee deep in tech, and this is actually episode fifty-nine, fifty something. Yeah, I think it's fifty-nine. 59. Yeah, it is fifty-nine. It's a bit yes. of a shame that we aren't ending this year at sixty. Well, in a way, it is, but then again, we're at sixty-five or sixty-six, as we've done a few um, specials. Yeah. We might, we might actually be, be above 66 when I think about it. But yes, but this is the official 59th episode recorded on the 18th of December 2018. Yeah. And this is actually the wrap-up thingy. <laughs> and I sure hope that we get a better name than wrap-up thingy for this I'm one. I'm pretty sure we will. Yeah. Yeah. Santa Claus Data okay. Center. Santa Claus... That was even worse, dude. Yep. Uh, and as you may hear, we are this time not in the same room. No, I'm 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 back home, and you're in Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yep. Wearing your new shiny Surface headphones. Yeah, and this is perhaps the first time I'm really disappointed that we aren't doing this using video, so everyone could look at my new headphones. Well, the issue is that your smile would not fit in in frame because <laughs> you're smiling, dude. I am. I am. Uh, they, they are really good. Uh, yep. I'm very pleased with them. Uh, the battery life, though, is a bit worse than I imagined. Uh, mm-hmm. It's accurate, but it's 15 hours is not enough and in, to me. Um, okay. I need to charge them. That's, on the other hand, is a good thing since they are charged by USB-C. So I basically get a full charge in less than two hours, which will give me 15 hours of battery life. I haven't That's clocked that, but it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's good. It's like with huh. the Surface Go, you get spec-wise eight or nine hours of battery life. But even if you don't reach eight or nine hours of battery life, it recharges in one and a half hours. That's pretty useful. Yeah, so that that's... That's good. Cool. Uh, you received yeah. the 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 headphones in Glasgow yeah. when we were there just a week ago, and you had the opportunity to try them on both at the airport and at the flight home. Yeah. And how would you rate the? Um, I was about to say the sound suppression, but the <laughs> uh, the noise canceling. Uh, I think we we uh, because you have a couple of Bose headphones, right? Yeah, the QC35s. Yeah, the Gen 1 of those. Yes. Yeah. And and I prefer my noise cancellation, and I would rate them better mm-hmm. uh, than the Bose. But on the other hand, when we compare them, it's two different feelings or sounds when you are using them. Whereas mine, I would say, is a bit warmer and more cozy, but yours may be quieter. That's that's a good observation because as as you say, it's a different feeling, and it's so hard to put into words. Yeah. Uh, my my view is that it's it's an excellent piece of of gear, and you get excellent uh, noise canceling, but it's different. Yeah. Not necessarily better or worse. It's different. Yeah. So, I would say that if you're into buying a couple of new headphones and you have the possibility to buy the Surface ones because they're only available in the UK and the US currently. Uh, Look into them and compare them with Bose and with Sony, because those three are probably the the top players still. 
and you will find three very different headphones. Uh, and it's I up would to have you to agree. which fits your head best, which which feeling when it comes to both the sound quality and also the AMC quality you prefer rather than which is the best. Uh, the downsides which I've seen in reviews, apart from battery life, uh, would also be uh, that they are a bit heavy compared to the Bose and Sony ones, like 50 grams or something like that, heavier. I don't notice that. Uh, I believe my old Jabra headset should be the same weight, so I'm, I'm comfortable wearing them even when I'm walking. Uh, but that could be something. Could be, yep. indeed. Well, it is December, and we just had the first proper snow. Yep. About two centimeters, but still it's snow. And we can look back on an exceptional year yeah we've both been through so much this year and we can talk for days about everything we've done everything we've seen everything we've experienced but i i decided to sit down and pick out a few things uh, that that's happened this year and and do a kind of a look back and do you remember back in January when the Meltdown and Spectre attacks appeared? If you would have asked me when did Spectre and Meltdown go happen, I would have said one year ago, two years ago. Yeah, I would never have exactly. said 2018. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree completely. And they burst onto the scene. People were falling over themselves, screaming. There were patches and new patches and patches that bricked the other patches. And what a mess it was. And we are still not through. No. Nope. There have been new alternative uh, ways of attacking, um, new kinds of ish meltdown inspector attacks. So we, we still very much sit in the middle of this. And, and Intel is having some serious issues with the production. Yeah. So very, very exciting times. Yeah, so, so speaking about the production issues, because that, that's something we notice since our employer is a huge vendor of hardware. Mm -hmm. And Intel is struggling worldwide to get new CPUs out. Would you say that that's, because what I've heard, that's due to the lack of metals that they need or, or um, parts to the production that they need? rather than Spectrum Meltdown. But would you say that they have challenges based on Spectrum Meltdown as well? I would guess that there are three major, or actually two and, and maybe a third issue in play here. One is, just as you say, the lack of of uh, raw ore, um, yeah. specific metals. One is probably a serious issue with yield. Yep. They have a serious issue with getting good yield on their 10 nanometer process. And when you need to scrap a lot of your stuff, well, that's that's a bit of an issue. And I'm pretty sure that the whole Spectre and, and Meltdown issue has prompted some very late attempts to redesign or remedy this this issue with which in turn compounds the the problems they have so i think it's a bit of a perfect storm at the moment yep and that's just my completely uneducated guess i'm good at those yep 
those are the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happened more? Teams came on. Teams have been on for a while, but it, it definitely came into its own in February. Okay, based on what would you say? What happened in February? Uh, I don't know. That's what we had in our... our um, we, we talked about this in February as if it was something super new. Yeah. And I would say that the things that we saw back then was that it actually started to be close to feature parity with uh, Skype. Apart from the actual voice um, features that we are used to using in Skype for telephone uh, connections and so on. Uh, but Teams really took off in February in terms of the usability, uh, the access to it using Office 365, and so on. Um, and I think that we also started to see a bigger rollout of Teams, especially in Sweden during that time. And the, the story of Teams have been ongoing. Uh, I've met people that absolutely loves it. I've met people that absolutely hates it. Uh, they are working hard to reach feature parity between Teams and Skype, which they, according to Microsoft, did in September, if I remember correctly, even though some people may argue, argue otherwise. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, um, it's a great journey, and I think they now are starting to look into how you can actually refine it, and that's something we're seeing with Teams for Education, for example, or Teams for Healthcare, which was released during Ignite. Well, here we are 10 months later. How would you say that Teams rates uh, in comparison to to Skype? I would say you, you need to look at it from, from the perspective of what it is. Skype is, is simple to use because it does exactly what you expect it to do. You can make calls, you can make video calls, you can chat, uh, and it doesn't do more than that. Teams does that, and in my opinion, Teams is better at doing that than Skype. But the actual user experience of Teams can be a bit overwhelming. And you can do so much more with Teams than you can with uh, Skype. Uh, so I would say that if we could, I would use only Teams uh, because it waits, makes much more sense. Uh, it's a user experience I enjoy, even though it's a bit complicated sometimes, and you have everything in one spot, really. Fair enough. I, I, I agree completely. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had uh, issues with Skype for quite some time. Yeah. So the challenge I see with our customers in regards to Teams is that many organizations just let it out there and doesn't realize the work you should be doing prior to releasing it to your users when it comes to setting up governance, setting up rules, regulations, policies in how to use it. Um, and again, that's where you could benefit from using Microsoft 365. Um, so definitely prepare your rollout prior to releasing it fully into your organization, because that will enable you to help your users and keep the administrative effort to secure data first and foremost to a minimum and this is kind of interesting because it's the same issues that i face with power bi yeah. it is so easy to just roll out and let people do epic shit with it but 
oh dear, when they start to do epic shit and you realize that you've painted yourself into a corner, it is a bit of a mess getting out. You yep. are going to get some strange footprints. Yep. That's, that's a bit of an issue. All right. So moving on, we've had the Surface Laptop. Yep. That, that was fun. I have one of the first ones. I'm yep. super happy with it, but it is dirty. <laughs> and dirty not in, in, in a bad way. So, hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you, you, you well, really like see. your Surface Laptop. I do, and you, I do. Uh, and you, I don't know if you were too confident in that it's actually going to work out for you, but I think you are pleasantly surprised by how how good it has been uh, this year. Ab absolutely. I, I liked my Dell. I didn't yeah. love my Dell because I thought the battery time was crap and it had a lot of weird behaviors. The, the Surface Laptop has been very consistent, and yeah. I like consistency. Yeah, so the most important question, do you love your Surface Laptop? I love my Surface Laptop. Please feel free to quote that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, we are going to return to hardware in a few minutes. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but we also started off with our new roles at Atea in February. It is a completely new world for us, so to speak. We've been very deep in tech for so many years and changing over to slightly softer skills when it comes to um, doing so much presenting, so much pre-sale and, and so much um, marketing, if you will, is different. I like it very much. Yeah. But it is obvious that it's it's been a journey trying to find where we fit in and trying to find how to use us in the best way. Yeah, and and we're still able to do technical things, uh, and that's something I enjoy that mix of it, uh, where we can be helping customers in all parts of their business process, really uh, maintaining our what we love to do, which is technical stuff as well, mm. um, but also using other skills to help customers, help our partners, and help the community. Oh, absolutely. And I'd say, in, in a way, we've gotten the opportunity to do more tech of the kind that we yeah. are specifically suited for. Because you don't bring out the heaviest guns when you are trying to solve a small problem. So we, we can actually get to choose and say, no, this is probably better suited for someone with less experience. But be aware that we are here if you hit a snag. Yeah. And this means that we can get to scale. We have a lot of people that we have in front of us that solve the, the more standard problems, if you will. And yep. they know that they have us behind them as a second line, meaning they dare go and stomp at the ground and see what happens. Yep. So it, it's a win-win for everybody, I'd say. Yep. Good fun. Yep. And then we have had over the weeks, we have had the hopefully never-ending success story of Power BI and also SQL Server. Oh, dear. Yeah, I am... Um, I put down a few things, but I'm not going to read them all because, again, we're going to be here until May. And Power BI, it's, it's been increasingly 
upping the the ante when it comes to new features and new functionality and back in may we had a huge update with incremental refresh and grouped slicers and stuff and that little did we know that it was only the beginning so to speak yeah and from that point going forward we the wheels have pretty much come off off the train because we got excel got power bi visuals uh, we had huge power bi updates in october and november and december yeah we have the new data flows we have the new dax editor composite modeling data profiling my god there are so many exciting things so we started 2018 with a pretty much an interesting product. And we are leaving 2018 with a kick-ass piece of software that promises just to get better and better and better as we move into 2019 and beyond. Yeah. It that's, is so exciting to work with this piece of software. Yeah, that's a sticker for you. Kick-ass piece of software, signed Power BI. Oh, I'm sure Adam and the others at the program team is going to look at that. Yeah. And also, you actually added Excel gets Power BI visuals in May. Mm -hmm. And that's something I had a present or a course for uh, one of our customers two weeks ago or last week, mm -hmm. uh, where they asked me to show the, uh, the features in Office no one ever heard about. Uh, I didn't show Power BI visuals, but I did show data types in yep. Excel. And currently, it's it's geography and uh, stocks. Where, which, and they were mind blown about how easy that is. And I'm really looking forward to see that part of Excel being extended. Uh, mm -hmm. So you really can get the use of data that's available to you, but previously have been hard to incorporate into an Excel sheet, for example. So that exactly. and also the Power BI visuals in Excel uh, makes Excel even more exciting as well. Makes Excel exciting. Yeah, That's a lot of X's. It let Excel excel. In Excitingly. Excitingly. Excited to see Excel excel. Anyhow, moving on. Yeah. And Microsoft bought something in June. Yeah, a small thing. Uh, yeah, a tiny one. $7.5 billion. Uh, Microsoft bought GitHub in June. Uh, and I remember that we discussed that. And, and you and me were quite com like, we, we were on the same page. We saw this as something good uh, mm -hmm. that you could keep the, the GitHub boat moving uh, and, and really let the open source community leverage that and not just open source for the matter, uh, mm. but let organizations and open source communities leverage the power of GitHub. And I would say that if, if you were to ask many developers today, and, and if you're a developer and, and think otherwise, I would be happy if you could reach out and give your view on it. Uh, but I don't think that many have noticed this purchase at all or acquisition at all. It's just keep on doing the same thing as they always done. And Microsoft can then leverage GitHub technology in many ways, shapes, or forms. For example, in Azure DevOps. Um, True. So I think this is a good thing and that we, many organizations now can trust 
GitHub to be there for a considerable future. Yep. Yeah, I agree completely. Yep. And the the uh, people that screamed the loudest and said that, oh, it's time to leave GitHub, I don't know how many actually did. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people actually did decide to up and leave GitHub yep. due to religious opinions or whatever. But as, as you say, I don't think there has been any substantive changes uh, yep. for the worse for, for developers. Yeah, rather the opposite. Yeah. And then in September, we had a bit of an Azure outage, which was unfortunate, yeah. but we also learned a lot about that. Yeah. And, and one of the, the best things that I like with the issues that Microsoft has is that they go full tilt into a post-mortem. Yeah. They are not happy unless they can see exactly what happened and why. And it's not about finding a culprit or a scapegoat. It's about finding what did we do wrong so we try to avoid doing the same mistake again the next time. And that's that's the only way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, and also to show customers, we did this wrong. Learn from it. Exactly. Uh, not not only Microsoft, but the, the customers. We did this. Yeah. We screwed up here. Don't do the same. No, exactly. Do, do try your own mistakes. Yep. And that was prior to Ignite, right? Must have been. That was prior to Ignite, correct. Yeah. And then we went to Orlando. And then we went to Orlando. Uh, uh, that, that, was, that was interesting. It was warm. I like warm. You hate warm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how November treats us, treats us in Orlando next year. But to me, this Ignite was probably the best I've attended. Mm. I still hold... TechEd in Houston very highly. Um, many won't agree on that, but in terms of Ignites, this was probably the best one. And I think they this time also realize how they would need to make very small changes to the expo to make it perfect. Because this year it felt a bit cramped. Uh, but yeah. they definitely have the space uh, to make it better until next year. The rest of it was, in my opinion, very good. Uh, yeah, and in terms of news during this year's Ignite, <laughs> that's insane. I don't, I, I can't remember how many episodes we did, both for this podcast, but also for our employer, um, and we also actually attended uh, one or two podcasts. But that wasn't enough. I think we have discussed things that was announced at Ignite since, really. Yeah, we we did five. Uh, five episodes special for Ignite, and we were guests at two, two or three uh, episodes. And, and as you say, we we did a few on the uh, Atea um, video cast as well. Yeah. And I agree completely. We have we have still just scratched the surface. And again, there's so many things that we don't work with that has happened, and there are so many things that we do work with that we've covered, but. I mean, the, the book of news, 23 pages. 27, if I remember correctly. 27, that's even worse. Yeah. And it's not a big font size either. No. Uh, and now we also see many of the things that was announced being out in the wild, mm. in public or private previews. Um, looking at Intune, for example, where we pretty fast got 
uh, Win32 app deployment out after Ignite. Uh, and that piece of technology has been evolving since, which now supports uh, delivery optimization, for example, which, which is to me a huge and very important improvement. Uh, lots of autopilot improvements. Um, that's something that really will boom the next year, especially uh, in, at least in Sweden, in public sector or in large private organizations. Uh, but that's great fun. Uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, which I'll be presenting on at uh, IGIL Disrupt in Munich in just about a month, will also be a huge game changer. Um, can't wait to see the uh, public preview go out. And also something I've been discussing a lot since Ignite and prior to it, but I think after Ignite mostly, is Microsoft 365 and how vital it is to look into the entire suite. It's so hard to look at only Office 365 or only EMS or only Windows. Uh, and you really get so many benefits from Microsoft 365 and the packaging they've done surrounding it. Uh, so that, to me, is one of the huge and most important things I take away from 2018, I would say. The something I said at the beginning of Windows 10 now Microsoft gets their sorry for the harsh words shit together um, because everything now makes so much sense and are so well integrated into each other. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, we we saw a lot of uh, previews at Ignite. Dataflows had been out in private preview, but they showed a few interesting things to do with it. Uh, Matthew Roche uh, had a few excellent sessions on, on Parallel Dataflows. And they also showed a few of the more interesting things the Microsoft Mechanics guys, they did. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it's called, but it's it's a way of doing machine learning automatically without having to create your own uh, machine learning algorithm. And this is used in, in their example to do sentiment analysis on Twitter and, and um, reviews and especially on looking at yeah. yes and looking at pictures and classifying what what is on the pictures. And that's a very interesting way of using both data flows and machine learning and actually the, the big data stuff inside of Azure combined yeah. without having to write a ton of code. So that that's that's probably what I'm taking with me from 2018. The the data flows as as it is, it's just the first step. We're going to see so many interesting things with Power BI and data flows. Yeah, for sure. And then we had October. Yeah, and what? And October what brought October? With, what on October? Definitely, October first is going to stay in my mind for quite some time. Yeah. We were both awarded MVP. Yeah. And I didn't log into my machine until pretty late at night. So I had no idea that I had been awarded. I received my email, I think earlier than you did, or we did, received it at the same time, but I saw it earlier than you did. You did. True. Yeah. And I, I didn't say anything. And then I just received a text saying, I got an email. You got an email. And I called you up uh, and 
congratulated you. And then I said, yeah, I received one as well. But I, I have still have that message here. And uh, you're usually very uh, humble would be the wrong word for, for you. Uh, but you're, you're good at wrapping stuff. Uh, and you did not even try to wrap this one up. But but I still well, I get it. We were both extremely happy. Um, we were. Yeah. We are. And I think this is really the first couple of weeks where I have gotten to grips with what it is because it's been such a whirlwind of things to do to really uh, adopt to since mm. there are so many possibilities inside of MVP program uh, and so much great people. Um, the product groups are just amazing, the, the community as such, and also to get the, um, get the possibilities to do things that weren't open to us previously, uh, which is a, a great journey. And I'm looking forward to uh, the coming years. Absolutely. I mean, we've we've only been MVPs for two months, yep. but the, the sheer amount of information that we've had to disseminate is staggering. So it, it takes some time to get on the horse, so to speak. And, and most of the MVPs that I've talked to agree that it, again, it, it takes some time to to find your your place. Yep. And then what happened in October? Well, IBM bought Red Hat. Was that in October? We, yeah, they did. Late October. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that was a, it, did, do you even say flash from a clear sky? Is that a uh, English, does that have an English equivalent? <laughs> I don't think so, but I think we just had the, the name of this episode. <laughs> the Flash. The Flash. Yeah. And well, anyways, yeah, we, we didn't see that coming at all. No, no. That, uh, that, was, that was different. Yeah. And, lots uh, and lots of money. Yeah, and we haven't seen the um, end of that. Did you, by the way, see that HCL bought Lotus? Lotus Notes? I or did. the owner of I Lotus did. Notes? <laughs> that's also an interesting acquisition. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember Lotus Notes being touted as the old crap stuff when I started working in an IT in 1997. Yeah. And it is still the old crap stuff. But it is pervasive. It is out there. It's everybody knows someone who has Lotus Notes still. Yeah. Just um, saying. So we'll see where, where IBM and Red Hat goes. Uh, we'll be interested to see since they made a couple of quotes that we really didn't um, thought were accurate when it came to mm. uh, hybrid cloud and so on. So we'll see mm. where, where that, how that plays out during the next year and how Microsoft, Google, Amazon and so on will look at Red Hat and, the, and now IBM as a competitor. Especially yeah. for hybrid cloud. Which kind of segues into the fact that Microsoft has bought 130 hectares of land in Sweden. Hooray! What are they doing? I actually found a quite interesting article. Where did it go? There and they go. managed to actually hide the fact that they changed their the, the managing director for Microsoft in Sweden by 
touting out the whole uh, buying land instead. I would say it was supposed to be the opposite. Uh, mm. But I can get back to that. So, so they bought 130 acres or hectares, not acres, hectares of land in outside of Jäv and Sandviken, in the middle of Sweden. Mm. Uh, the equivalent of 260 football pitches. Not clear if that's soccer or American football. Um, it's split between two sides. Wonder why. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> since <laughs> I find this amusing. Um, the so-called major, uh, which isn't a thing in Sweden really, uh, couldn't comment, but said that that could lead to hundreds of jobs. The mayor. Oh, the mayor right. of, of uh, the municipality. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. What's your, what's your take on it? Is it a data center for Azure? I would love to say yes. But? But to, for that to happen... I would say that we need to get something fairly close to what Norway did to get their data center. So one or a couple of huge customers um, buying into Azure on a large scale to get that going. On the other hand, looking at what Amazon does in Sweden currently, they just opened their Stockholm, so which I that our friends in Westeros and Eskilstuna and Katrina Holm doesn't really agree on, that being the Stockholm region. Mm. Uh, uh, but I think many see that um, Amazon is going into the Nordics hard with this, and especially Sweden. And Sweden, from a marketing perspective, is probably, and speaking as a Swede, I'm biased in this, but from a marketing perspective, even internationally, if if Amazon were to get a foothold here, I think that could send messages to other countries, especially in the Nordics, that that's a cloud that's trusted. The Swedes, which are considered to be innovative people and at the edge in many cases when it comes to IT, shows us Amazon. On the other hand, if Microsoft were to open up as well, that would benefit Sweden hugely. Um, and that could send the same message that now you can get your data in a country which is neutral and where they have a huge insight into security, into uh, integrity, and so on. Uh, yeah. I would actually be of the opinion that it's those are very good, good things. But you also get Azure into a new geographic region where you have high-speed links to the Baltics, yep. to Finland, to the eastern parts of the Nord, uh, the Nordic part of Europe, yep. that you might not necessarily reach from neither Amsterdam nor Ireland. Or Norway, and, for the matter. And, and I was just about to say, yep. the issue with Norway is that Norway is not part of the European Union. Yep. And that is a huge thing when it comes to integrity and, and data uh, data regulation yeah so I, I and this is just my guess i would guess that sweden would have been the first choice for azure sites yeah unless norway had opened the huge oil wallet yeah exactly so we'll see it would be great fun if they announced an azure region at the ignite tour in stockholm that's just speculation, but it would be oh, cool. That would be cool. I think the the room or the venue where it will be held would explode. 
literally. Probably. Yep. Could um, be any exciting. Yep. And they, uh, Microsoft Sweden also got their new uh, managing director, uh, Helene mm-hmm. Barnikov. Uh, she used to be the uh, uh, managing director of Telia in Sweden. Uh, and she's also been chief commercial officer. She's been working at uh, at EMC. She um, had been in, um, in Sony, Ericsson, mobile communications, and so on. Um, and I think it's uh, it's a good choice. Uh, I know that Microsoft Sweden had a, an all hands meeting yesterday, uh, where she introduced herself. And I know nothing about what's said, um, but. Every single person I spoke to said that this will be good and felt a huge confidence in Helium. Uh, I'm very happy to hear yeah. that. that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then we had another outage. Or We did. Yeah, the MFA outage. Not as huge as mm. the first one. Uh, but well, it, still a pain. It kind of depends on who you ask. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the, the MFA... The Go MFA ahead. outage shook the confidence in two-factor authentication. Yeah. It very clearly outlines and, and, and puts into sharp focus the fact that if you have multi-factor authentication enabled, you are well and royally screwed if the MFA does not work. Yeah. There is no other way to get into your stuff. If you don't have a break the glass account and, and disable it yes which you should have exactly yeah. which is a very very good point simon yeah thank and you one that i don't think very many people even realize no but i think that's actually documented in somewhere inside of the mfa documentation that you really should have uh, a privileged account which no one knows the password for and where you lock that password in somewhere safe in case something like this happens, which makes a yep. lot of sense. Oh, it does. Yeah. And the, these are the, the kinds of uh, challenges that are beyond technical, so to speak. Yeah. But so, so important. Yeah. Uh, we also have had some challenges with the poor thing that's Windows 10 1809. I just upgraded to it on this machine just prior to recording this, and apparently it works out great. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really, the Insider program has really received a huge hit from that um, because that's really been a struggle the last couple of months for me to explain how could this happen, why should we trust Microsoft, why should we trust the Insider program. Uh, and there are good things in 1809. It's just such a shame that they also, for any reason, uh, had some serious bugs as well. Uh, but it's out now. Um, it's it's a great OS. But we will see how they change the process for how they test this moving forward. And also in, in the view of the new um, support cycles that we received in September just prior to Ignite, that will also be interesting to follow how that will turn out, uh, both from a customer perspective, but also from a Microsoft perspective. But I'm yep. looking forward to the rollout of 1809 on a wider scale and also the uh, next release, which would be 1903 or 19H1 or whatever they will call that one, uh, mm. and see how the rollout and the process for developing that have changed com- 
compared to the process for 1809. Yep, again, it's, it's a bit of a debacle and a bit of a mess, but you can guarantee that people will learn from this and yep. at least not make the same exact same mistakes again. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and then we had well, one more acquisition before we end up, because I think we haven't discussed it, and this is rather important. The 19th of November, Brad Anderson announced that Microsoft acquires FS Logics. Do you know what they do? I have no idea. What do they do? Yep, I, I have never heard about them until I visited the Citrix user group a year ago in London, uh -huh. where I met the entire crew. And we had a great time both in London and in Dublin. They optimize Office 365 experiences for VDIs and virtual desktops. And they are very, very good at it. Uh, they were actually a recommended third-party option for using OneDrive with VDIs and desktops, uh, regardless of what other applications or technology you were using. Microsoft in their documentation stated use FS Logics. And they oh, purchased them okay. to improve the experience of Office 365 in Windows Virtual Desktops, probably, but also for RDS. Um, so that acquisition is really interesting in terms of Microsoft putting down a huge effort to uh, really make Windows Virtual Desktop a great experience. And like I said in the IGEL blog a few days ago, I see this as something that could, in a way, enable more organizations to use virtual desktops or virtual apps, which for any reason couldn't do that previously. Nice. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, it's kind of getting, we've, we've hit the time and then some, but we have some news and ideas for upcoming changes in 2019. We just switched hosting providers and, and homepage. Yeah. So we're going to keep working on the needypintech.com homepage as we move forward. So bear with us. There will be some, uh, creative changes. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you are the creative one of us. Uh, I'm scared shitless, but that's a different discussion. Yeah, uh, but we will be uh, focusing a lot more on the Knee Deep in Tech blog moving forward. Mm. Uh, and we won't announce anything as of yet, but we'll probably get a few new friends in our Knee Deep in Tech family moving forward. Yep. So there will be more blogs and more blog posts, and we're going to do another attempt at creating video content yeah we have a new a few new ideas uh, a lot of new hardware <laughs> don't mention the gopro please i would definitely not mention that i managed to get simon to buy a gopro uh, last time we were at skipple <clears throat> i won't mention that no thank you but um, yeah so we have more cameras than we uh, <laughs> strictly need we have but more we'll, cam we'll we have enough cameras to cover all the angles we don't want to show. On that definite bombshell, <laughs> it is time to end this episode and it is time to end 2018. And thank you so much for listening. It's been an awesome ride. It's been an amazing project and we are so very much looking forward to 2019. Definitely. It will be a great year. The last year of Windows 7. 
the last year of Windows 7 and the last year of the uh, teens. What? 2019. Ah. Uh, oh. Okay. We'll see you on the other side. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.